Welcome back in everybody to a fantastic new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so excited to welcome back a returning theater company that we had on last summer, the Egg and Spoon Collective. And with them, we have the playwright David Rosenberg and the directors Adam Coy and Jake Beckhard, who are here to talk to us about their new show, what Else is True, playing August 15th through the 26th at ART New York, the Jeffrey and Paula Girl Theater, which is at 502 West 53rd Street. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting eggandspoontheater.org. We're very excited about having this great theater company back on our show, and we're very excited to be bringing you this particular show, which is so wonderful. So why don't we bring on the experts on this production david adam jake welcome to whisper in the wings from stage whisper thank you for joining us today thanks for having us andrew thank you so much for having us what a pleasure it's a real treat thank you all so much i am so excited to dive more into this show what else is true the the brief synopsis that was sent out immediately hooked me especially as a guy that did improv in high school and then was on a team coming out of it i was like oh well go ahead and sign me up and then i had to read the second half and i went oh we're gonna also go into that okay well i guess (laughs) it wouldn't be a good theater show if we just did the happy first act of into the woods so why don't we go ahead and start with you david and as the playwright why don't you tell us a little bit about what what else is true is about yeah, what else is true? If it's about it's about a bunch of college kids doing improv together. And it's about but what it's really about is what we've been talking about is is when you meet the people in college who you think you're going to be your friends for your whole life. And it's about that sort of joy of finding your people. And then it's sort of about the what happens when it turns out that those may or may not be your people and the slow sort of dissolution of friendships. But it's a comedy and it's a comedy and it's about improv and it's about it's about the sort of joy of of being young and in college and seeing your whole life ahead of you and finding people who agree with you about that. Wonderful. Yeah. See that I was hooked with that. I, I like that. I do like that. So, David, how did you come up with the idea for the show? Oh, I've done a lot of improv in my life. I'm not, I'll say it. I'm not afraid to say it. I, yeah, I've done a lot of improv in my life. I also did improv in high school and in college. And then I started taking improv classes at UCB and the like in college. And it was, and it's been a a big source of joy in my life and also a big source of shame and anxiety, of course. And so, yeah, it sort of came out of that a little bit out of my own experiences of doing improv in college. And also when I wrote the play, I was also in grad school surrounded by sort of the same group of people for a long time and was interested in the dynamics of people, of young people who spend a lot of time together and how that can be really wonderful and also how that can be death. And so that that's, yeah, it sort of arose out of that. I love that. Now, I want to bring our directors on, Adam and Jake. How did the two of you come upon this piece? Jay, yeah, you should go. You got to it first, so maybe you, you, yeah. It only seems fair. Yeah, Uh, that's right. I was, David and I are are very good friends. David married me and my wife just a couple months ago. He's very, you know, he's a a big presence in our our lives, but David's also been a great talent as long as I've known him. Uh, We were working on another play of his and, and David shared this one with me in an early draft. He'd been sort of developing it partially with the writer's group that he shares with my partner, Serena Berman. And when I read it, and every time I read it after that, I 
which is this is not a thing that I do generally either in shows or when reading them. But I like like had a little like I got teary at the end each time, like because in its own way, like because it had hit something very specific and resonant in terms of that experience of maturation and heartbreak and and things. Um, and so, I, I, you know, pretty quickly on, I was like, oh, this is really quite special it's 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 listening unbelievably closely to 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 a group of people and and revealing some things that i think like everybody knows but don't quite have language for and also because of its profundity of listening is like really really funny so i got excited about it and started sending it to people and one of the people that i sent it to was liam lonigan the artistic director at egg and spoon which is how i think it made it into your hands adam right which is how it got to me because Liam can't read. So he sent it to me. Now he had, Jake had obnoxiously sent like four or five things in, and this was in them. And I only read the description. I'm such a jerk. I only read the description. I was like, that one sounds interesting. But I'm the associate artistic director of Egg and Spoon and a, a co-founder of the company. I didn't know Jake, but it had sent our way. We're always looking for stuff. And I, you know, the, 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 the hook of the play hooked me. And, and so I read it. And as I was reading it, I, I did improv improv was a very big part of my life growing up my my oldest brother was on uh, the improv team in high school and i thought him and his friends were so cool and and when i got to like play with them it was like it was like playing with the biggest of leagues you know and like a- anytime you could hang with them and make them laugh it was just like it, it like it's a feeling that's like not quite topped you know but it's like they were like the most famous dudes in my and people in in my in my brain and then i i did improv as college as well and a little bit outside of college and you know the play and and one of the roles in the play i was really interested in for a while too i'm an actor and director so i was going like oh okay you know maybe that's when i i could theoretically play or whatever but then i you know i just kind of was so into the play as a whole i was i was really invested in the whole thing and, and was like okay i gotta be and the the feeling thing of it like from i've been just kind of been longing and yearning for time to stop since like the the fifth grade so it's it, it kind of felt into that as well and then you know i was me and what kind of ended up happening, our company became really interested in it. I didn't know Jake. So I was like, I, you know, who's that guy? I don't really care. You know, I can just direct it. And then me and Jake kind of had a, a shootout. No, we, uh, we came, our paths crossed together at the flea theater and with the fled. So I had known of Jake and during the pandemic, we kind of started this other organization together and ended up spending like hours and hours in zoom rooms and we had like built this like company together kind of and we're running it and then i moved onto his block so it was like we became very good friends we knew that we had a very strong like work relationship together as well and so and we both loved this place so much so it was like why don't we kind of give this a shot together and, and and see where it goes and boy was that a mistake it's been a disaster <laughs> well that kind of leads to my next question that adam i'm gonna start with you on which is what has it been like developing this show it's been awesome it's it's been really interesting you know i know jake and david you can talk about what maybe happened before i came to it but it's like you know egg and spoon we started we wanted to do a workshop of it and i think for us during that time for me during that time it was like seeing if some of you know just some of the stuff even worked in it there's this one thing that happens that is quite theatrical but i wasn't really convinced that 
the time that it was a thing that works and it's actually kind of the thing that makes the play like so profound in in, in my opinion and, and hearing it and hearing an actor do it kind of does that and then also i think you know we were kind of interested in like we are doing a play but there is improv going on in the play so it's like what containers can we set up for actual improv to be happening and then it's like some of the work in developing it too was like working with improv coaches when we would do that sort of stuff was like could we get actors comfortable enough with improv within a rehearsal process or could we find improvers that were good actors like you know where's kind of the the venn diagram of people uh to kind of pull off what what we think we could pull off and then and then we did another uh reading through the playwrights horizons new works lab that was also allowed us to kind of you know work with uh, uh, good people could would would do it, you know, because it kind of had that backing and, and gave us some more time to, to tinker with it. And then it also gave me and Jake an opportunity to see if we really saw the play the same way. And if we, you know, our working relationship would, would jump in that way. And it, it was very seamless and, and very successful. Very cool. Jake, I want to jump to you now. What has it been like developing this? Yeah, much the same. I mean, my feeling is the same as Adam in terms of what the pleasure has been and and the variety of ways. I mean, David used to say that like part of the experiment of writing this play is like how, how like whether he could how how little you could like could happen and there still be like something enormous happening, you know. And so there's like it, it's quite observational. It's quite like it's quite restrained in certain ways. And developing it in that way, learning re- really on its feet how event can occur in between lines and like in really in subtleties that accumulate and then like explode, I think has been super, super valuable. So on the script level, the tinkering with it, right, like it's been a very dramaturgy like new play development process i think both adam and i have been like used as dramaturgs on this play and and david is such a talented writer but also a communicative writer and is always engaged in like trying to like parse things out is always like looking for new and better ways whether it's in the micro or the macro and so it was really pleasurable in that way just because i like hanging out with these two guys and having conversations with them and we all like it was clear for very early that we all share the same goals and like understand the same beautiful things about this play you know and then on the other hand like it was just fun getting things up there was a version of this this script that really didn't have any improv in it right like or it did but they were it was it was like the games were essentially like these are the easy like these are simple games that like anybody can can do and we have been excited to take some risks here you know to like to build a version of the play where you can feel the aliveness and the like risk of going up on stage and having nothing prepared which is improv like is a part of and an engine for the play and really figuring out how that engine works has been like part of our workshop process and something that we're very that can really only happen in production so like for the premiere we're really excited to like bring out in its entirety very cool David, is there anything you'd like to add regarding the development of the show? Just that Egg and Spoon really gave us the resources to develop it on its feet in a way that was way more useful than just sort of, you know, me sending drafts back to Jake or Adam and saying, like, what do you think? But like having people in a room and having really good actors in a room, having an improv coach helping us out really taught us a lot about the play. And it needed that very badly. And Egg and Spoon was an amazing resource. Very cool. Now, David, I'm going to start with you with this next question, which is what is the message or thought you're hoping audiences take away from what else is true? 
I think that plays shouldn't have messages is my sort of thing lately. This is my annoying thing I say in personal statements is that plays shouldn't, plays should be questions and not statements, which is very didactic of me. But I, I, I guess I would add, I don't really, my, my thought would be that there should not be a message so much as there should be a connection with the part of you that existed when you were 20 or 21. And when you had more hope or more belief than you did now and how the person and and we should be asking ourselves how the people that we were when we were 20 or 21 live in ourselves now or don't live in ourselves now how we have put those people aside because they are shameful or how we have incorporated them into ourselves because we are grateful for them i, I think that's what i'd say maybe jake or adam's better yeah what about you adam i thought that was pretty good david i don't know i thought that was pretty good you know <laughs> But creating that space to connect to your younger self and kind of seeing, yeah, and I think a time too when you might have been more afraid or you took certain things for granted and uh, like energy, you know, and didn't realize it. I, th I think that's kind of the, the thing that I'm interested in. Or, you know, I was listening to this thing, Mike Burbiglia was talking to Ira Glass about Don't Think Twice. And he said, your, your 20s are about hope and your 30s about are about thinking about how stupid it was to have hope. And that's like <laughs> kind of what I'm interested in. But also, at the same time, it's like, to me, the play is like, it's honoring all of the people that came into my life that profoundly changed my life and made me the artist that I am, and will always be a part of, you know, my my career that, you know, I, I don't talk to anymore, or are not in the field anymore, you know, so it's like, that's kind of what is some of the, the driver for me. Yeah, I feel like something I think about a lot is like, and I and I and I've mantraized because I find it a soothing thing, is that things only happen one way. You know, there's a moment in the play where you sort of get this glimpse of like a parallel universe where like everything goes right, you know, and I and and it's lovely and it's important and it's profound. And then that doesn't happen. And I think for me. It's not so much like, isn't it tragic that it didn't happen? Because it's sort of absurd to imagine it happening. Everything can't go right. And the end of the play, like, is a bummer. It had, you know, I don't know, not to spoil it or anything, but like some people are, some people are better, you know, equipped to handle the pain of a thing that's important to them ending. And some people aren't. But my hope is that, right, like Adam was saying, you carry a sense of like, it's just what happened. And then you carry it with you, right? Like, and what happened is always with you and, and you build from it and you grow in it and through it and out of it. And, and, and there's a kind of comfort in knowing like, no, it was never going to be that other thing. The tragedy isn't that it didn't all work out. It's just that it's painful to be an alive person growing up and having things and losing things but it's also fundamentally necessary to become the next version of yourself and that will always be true right up until the minute that you die and i think that there's some relief in that to me that i'd like to transmit to a, an audience member who might you know be in pain about this i think that's at the root of the catharsis that i think is in the play hmm. that's very interesting i like that well, with the last question of this first part of the interview, Jake, I'm going to start with you. I want to know who do you hope have access to the show? I'd like for folks to have access to the show who need to feel safe feeling things. Do you know? I'd like to I'd like to give access to like 
I, I, I want the space to feel as if it has room for you to look at something very vulnerable inside of yourself, which is your younger self, whether your younger self is 10 years old or your younger self is 22 years old or whatever, which I think is many folks, especially folks who go to the theater and to be in conversation with that person in a way that feels like carries like both the possibility of honesty and the possibility of delight. And I'd like folks to have access to this show who just want to have a good time. <laughs> who just want to like, ha like have a good time and chill and enjoy some stupid jokes and like, and want to come back to a space that feels very rare, an in-person space that is hard to find where that feels possible. You know, there's a coziness to all of it that I'd like to make available. And then maybe you shake up a little bit. Yeah. Adam, what about you? Uh, hearing that question also opened me up to a thing I want audiences to take away, I guess, or experience, which is one of the things that drew me to the piece, me specifically, it's because I think in the piece, there are a lot of parallels in the comedy world, in a private university world, in our industry about who who moves through space, who takes up space, and and who, you know, inadvertently, well, who, what well-meaning type of people in those spaces do terrible things to people, you know? And I think it's really prevalent at all three levels in the comedy world, at, at universities, private universities, and in the theater field. So subconsciously, I want people to, you know, theater folk to be there going, oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm terrible. But I, you know, as far as access, you know, at Egg and Spoon, what we're doing, what what I'm really excited about doing is we're trying to do some different projects with, with programs that have like teen theater ensembles and stuff like that. So we're trying to get like working with All Stars Project or 52nd Street Project to get, to get kids that have kind of been historically not in theater to to see this type of thing and be like this can be theater too you know it's not just musicals it's not just that you know what i mean and it's like at the 52nd street project we kind of share building with them so i think that's a really exciting opportunity to kind of like expose them to kind of like a hyper realism something that's very funny and something that they will d definitely make a lot of noise at so that's something that we're excited about we're also planning some community nights with different improv companies with ucb and the magnet theater within the city as kind of like you know, to me too, this is like part of my bigger mission in a way of like expanding what theater is, because to me, improv and comedy are theater as well. And they happen in these very different and separate spaces. And I think that's really stupid. And and that those communities, you know, there is overlap, but they're, they're, they're seen in very different worlds. And comedy, I think, can be a great solvent for, you know, helping bring the industry back, honestly. So people looking to laugh, I, I hope I have access young people that are maybe going through this sort of thing uh, and are disillusioned, but also, you know, it might they might still have time to, to cling on to it really tight. You know, those are people I hope have access to it. Very cool. And bringing us home, David, who do you hope have access to what else is true? Mainly suburban, wealthy theater goers from the New York tri-state area is really who I hope has. No, I would say 
That, no, quite the opposite. I, I agree with Adam that I think people who people who think that the theater isn't funny, I would hope have access to the show. I would hope that this this play is part of a little bit of my mission statement to like bring actual proper comedy to the theater instead of like this idea of, of comedy that so often passes uh, in the theater. And I would say, yeah, young people. I, I would say like like young people who would not normally go to a play, I would hope have access to the play. I now want to change things up for the second part of our interview. Let our listeners get to know the three of you very, very serious people a little bit more. And I want to start by asking you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past? Or are some of your favorites? And Jake, can I start with you first on that? The the two shows that I saw... Neither of these are good cops for this show, but the two shows that I saw when I first came to New York that influenced me incredibly profoundly were Our Town, the David Cromer production of Our Town back in like 2009 that came over from Chicago and was like, you know, I mean, it's Our Town. It's so you're like, oh, OK. But then, you know, it 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 featured it was all done in the sort of normal Our Town style. And then for the third act, when they returned to Emily's kitchen, they like pulled aside the curtain and they had a whole working set in this space where you hadn't realized like a set could fit and it was gorgeously and perfectly lit and they cooked real bacon on stage and the smell like wafted over the audience and people stood like stuck, like, like stayed in their seats, like, like there was, it was an overwhelming experience of emotional vulnerability and like nostalgia and resonance and that really you know, knocked my hat off. And then like a couple weeks later, I went to BAM and I saw a Heiner Mueller play that was a version of Dangerous Liaisons that was just like image, scale, image, scale. And I would say like that kind of directing and like pageantry that is not afraid of volume, I think is very impactful on me. And then being able to put that away when necessary and just rest on like and and find beauty in detail and 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 using sort of a, a cinematic attention to detail and to like shifting focus of the audience those are two things that have like always been super super important to me yeah as a director and daniel Hawkins, my favorite director working the but which he didn't direct either of those things but he's just so badass and like i think the things that he does are so like do take elements of both of those things and deploy them incredibly savvily like I think both of those it's okay to finish the thought I think both of those like shows were kind of blunt force approaches to their theses and I've tried since then over the last 14 years or whatever to do what frankly Daniel Lockett does very well which is to deploy those tools in very careful and deliberate measure with to create the experience of an incredibly dynamic stage production you know so props to him and also the people who did those ones that's a fantastic list. Fantastic list. David, I'm going to jump down to you now. What or who inspires you? My big, I mean, Annie Baker is my queen. And I think she is the best playwright alive. Apologies to Mrs. Churchill, but I, I think Annie Baker is the best at it. 
And I saw the the original production of Circle Mirror Transformation my freshman year of college, and I had no idea what I was walking into, and it changed my life. And that play changed what I think the theater is. And Jake has Jake and Adam have const- have consciously had to be like David. They did that in Circle Mirror Transformation. You can't do it in this play, and that's been really that's been a learning experience. I, she's my queen. I think I'm I'm a big Chekhov guy, and he inspires me still, even though the plays usually don't work and are kind of pretty boring. But when they do work, they're good. He's my guy. And then, you know, the other thing that inspires me is like like Danny McBride and people like that. I think that there's something so powerful in that kind of comedy. And I could watch Danny McBride all day. I, I just saw Barbie and I like the Kate McKinnon performance in that in that movie is so unbelievable. That kind of loud balls out unapologetic comedy really inspires me. Very cool. Well, jumping up to Adam now. Adam, what are who inspires you? Yeah, David. Yeah, Jake inspires me every day. And when, <laughs> when I see him, I go, boy, I have some talent. Okay, but, uh, and David, I love, yeah. Okay, no, I was going to make another joke, but I won't. So a couple of things. I mean, a lot of things. Uh, similar Annie Baker, the first thing that I saw that made me go, oh, theater is maybe a place for me. Because I didn't grow up seeing much theater. I'm from San Antonio. I just grew up watching a lot of films and stuff. And I did theater because it was like a thing you could do and act. And I just wanted to be like a really famous film and television actor when I came to college. And and I, I thought, yeah, I hadn't found many plays that I actually dug, I guess, you know, and my maybe the summer between my sophomore year or something like that. One of my friends lived in the city and I went with her and we saw the flick uh, that was at Barrow Street. So it had it was kind of like when it when it transferred down there and it just freaking blew me away and I was like okay you can do this and I didn't care that it was like so long and I loved how slow it was and there was also like it it was immensely cinematic as well so yeah I thought that was great Will Eno inspires me a lot I think Will Eno is super super funny and then like just kind of cuts you in the gut with these ideas that I agree with and you know film wise you know what I think Wes Anderson is is, is a big inspiration musically I I Mac Miller, I, I listen to a lot and, and inspires me. Chance the Rapper early stuff uh, is, is a big inspiration to me as well. And, you know, right now, too, it's like Nathan Fielder, like what he's doing goes like, you know, it's like you can do anything. And that's really, ex- you know, the way that he's kind of interrogating audience and experience i'm i'm trying to you know i i I find that really inspiring to go like okay like what what what's in the bounds of possibility and what we're doing in live experience what can we do to to shake some of that up and 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 yeah i find i find all that stuff really exciting love that list though that's fabulous well i now want to ask all of you my favorite question to ask guests and that is what is your favorite theater memory i would say one of my favorite theater memories is taking my mother to the normal heart let's get wholesome we i I took my mom to the normal heart on broadway that joe mantello was in and it was the first time that i had seen my mother cry it was, was after that show and then she got very excited about starting a letter writing campaign to then President Barack Obama. This was before the Obergefell v. Hodges decision. No, that's not what it was, was it? Never mind. Whatever. It was before the decision, the gay marriage decision. And she was like, we have to get 
Barack Obama to see the normal heart. And that will then get gay marriage legalized. And it was a very sweet, I mean, I think that she sent like one, like her own letter probably, but she was like, I think this is a really good idea. And frankly, it probably was. It came to Arena Stage, that production. So who knows? She might have been successful. That was the first play I saw that made me cry. It was a doozy. My goodness. That was a, that play is not like, this is the secret, not that good. <laughs> like it's, it's incredibly didactic and like one, and, and one note, but that, that the production was just the projections on Ooh. the wall and everything of the name. Oh my God. And the performances, they, they were yeah. out of control. I knew it's, nothing of that work. And I just, it's still one of my favorite plays. It just, oh, oh, now I'm going to get all, I'm getting the clap. But yeah, no, it, it was, what a wonderful memory. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's beautiful. That truly is beautiful. This is good. So this is funny. This is unexpected. <laughs> I say this sometimes on interviews when they're like, what do you like? And it really throws people off because I like all that stuff that I said before. And then I go, but you know what my favorite musical is? Jersey Boys. And they go, what? <laughs> because I love it. And I love it because I've seen it with my mother four or five times. And when we, when I, the first time I went to New York, we saw it because my mom, lo you know, she loves the Four Seasons. She had seen the Four Seasons perform in Atlantic City and at the Steel Pier when she was growing up. And the songs are bangers. So when we go, we would go and she would sing and dance in the audience. And then we would go home and she'd at the hotel room, she would, you know, sing into her comb and and, and, and be dancing in the hotel room. And, and, you know, of course she would cry during it, but she cries during everything. And, you know, we just have a lot of fun. And so now it's like, I don't know. We we would see it when it would come to San Antonio then and and stuff like that. So it's just something that is always always feels like is going to is going to remind me of my mother for for forever, which is which is sweet. Oh, another to be a mom one now, David. Yeah, the theme is moms. Thank you so much for that, Adam. That's beautiful. David, what is your favorite I, memory? I can give you a mom one, which is that when I was in middle school, really young, I think like seventh or eighth grade, my mom took me to New York to see Avenue Q, the original cast of Avenue Q. And it was, it changed my life because it was one of those things with like, oh, I didn't know that theater was like the TV and movies I like. And that was a powerful experience for me. That was awesome. The other one was, I, I'm an actor sometimes, and I did a production of Mad Forest with Lila Neugebauer years ago in like a tiny theater at Williamstown. And it was the best thing I've ever been in. And I don't think I'll ever be in anything that good. It was crazy. It was just like a bunch of us on a stage with like a couple jackets. And it was awesome. It was so who good. Were you, who were you in that production of Mad Forest? I was like the dads and stuff. I was like a dad. And I was also the little boy. The the little boy. Yeah. It was good. It was fun. There were some good actors in that too. That was amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you all for sharing those memories. Those were fabulous. Do any of you have any other projects or productions coming in the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? I have a musical that I'm writing and am, am performing in that we're going to do in probably in October, probably 
we don't know exactly the venue yet. It might be the slipper room. We'll see. It's called Absolutely. It's about a dictator of a former Soviet Republic who puts on a big show and then is overthrown. And it's very stupid and very good. And then I have a play in Miami. If you have any listeners in Miami in January, it's called Wicked Child. And it is not like this play. It is about Israel and Palestine. And that's a, that's in January at Zoetic Stage in Miami. So that's what I've got. Amazing. I've got a, I'm developing two plays with Less Than Rent Theater Company, one of which is by Chaz Libretto. It's this terrific play called Poisonville about labor activists in Butte, Montana. And Dashiell Hammett, who actually was there as a Pinkerton agent before he became a famous mystery, uh, you know, and a great American writer. And the other one is called Yankees. And that's by Serena Berman, who is my partner in almost everything, which is about a bunch of kids going on a study abroad program and then getting and then crazy stuff goes down. And it's a really fun social critique of American solipsism and also a very funny comedy. In February, I don't know that this has been announced yet, so I won't say where, but I think I'm directing a production of Andy Boyd's play, Three Scenes in the Life of a Trotskyist. You can start to see a little bit of a through line here. I met Andy because someone was like, because he was like, I need to meet more socialist directors. And someone was like, well, you should definitely hit up Jake Beckhard. That's one of his whole things. So that was a lot of fun. And now we've actually got a show that we're doing together. I'm very psyched about it. But in November and December, I'm doing nothing. And I'm and please don't ask me to, because I'm I'm very much excited to play The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Adam, anything for you? I'm here to plug one thing and one thing only. That's what else is true by David Rosenberg. These other people, they don't need they don't need my amplification, okay? The other projects I'm doing. I am working on some stuff later. I'm working on I'm assistant directing a show at second stage by Jen Silverman. You're not gonna go? And then, you know, after that, I'm associate directing Doubt on Broadway, Roundabout Theater, Leave Schreiber. Who cares? This is gonna be better. This is going to be way sillier than Doubt. Way more jokes per minute in this play than in Doubt. Guaranteed. Oh, I am so happy for you for all of that. But also, that delivery. Oh, my gosh. That was such a Glengarry Glen Ross delivery right there. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. I do not want this interview to end, but we have arrived at our final question, which is if our listeners want more information about what else is true or about any of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? They should go to eggandspoontheater.org where they can find all kinds of information about the play and where they can buy tickets. It's a big pink button. I'm looking at it right now. You can press that pink button and buy tickets. They're not that expensive. They're like 28 bucks. It's not so bad. You should go there. Uh, you could go on the Instagram too, Egg and Spoon Theater Collective. There are pictures of us and there's pictures of all the cast and, and who are amazing and incredible. And, and you might go, oh, I know them, you know, so yeah, do that. And you could pretty much follow any of us on Insta. I mean, that's probably the best way to find us on, on the internet too, right? And it's to, we're all over that, all that promo. So you can find our handles there, but just in case we can drop it here, I'm at Jake Beckard on pretty much everything. What about you guys? I'm David Rosengram on Instagram and I'm David Rosen tweet on Twitter. And that is, I'm not proud of it. 
I think I'm Adam.M.Coy, but it gets bad because then sometimes I show up to rehearsal at, at big boy places and my cup says Adam McCoy, which is not my name. It's Adam Coy, but I played myself. So I'm trying to, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still figuring it out. Perfect. Well, David, Adam, and Jake, thank you all so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been an absolute blast, truly. And if this is any indication of how great the show is, which I'm sure it is, I can't wait to see this. This has been amazing. So thank you all so much. Thank Thanks you so much, us. Andrew. We're, we're so excited to see you at the show. It really has been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Andrew. Yeah, we're so glad you're you're gonna check it out. We'll uh we'll 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 hear yeah, I, I hope you giggle. <laughs> I will be there giggling for sure. My guests today have been the playwright David Rosenberg, the directors Adam Coy and Jake Beckhard, who are all part of the new show What Else Is True playing August 15th through the 26th at ART New York, the Jeffrey and Paula Girl Theater, which is at 502 West, 53rd Street. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting eggandspoontheater.org. And we also have some contact information for this theater company and our guests, which we'll be posting on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But for right now, run, don't walk to get your tickets for What Else is True, playing August 15th through the 26th. Eggandspoontheater.org. That's the place to go. That's the place to get your tickets. We're going to let you know when we'll be in attendance at the show. Let's make it a stage whisper night out at the theater. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hey,